Coming to you from where software for the open enterprise is made, this is Novell Open Audio. Welcome to our second edition of Novell Open Audio. This is the podcast that connects the Novell enthusiast and user with what's going on in and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Ted Hager. We've got a great show for you today. We've got three different interviews lined up. We're going to start off the show with a quick overview of ZenWorks with the evil Zen scientist himself, Mr. Martin Buckley. After that, we're going to give you a quick tour of what's going on at BrainShare this year, coming up just in March. And finally, Jason Williams and Troy Wild, product managers for Open Enterprise Server, are going to give us an update on what's happening with Open Enterprise Server and where it's heading next. Before we get into the interviews, we've got listener feedback coming in only 24 hours after we've gone online with Novell Open Audio for the first time. We've already got listener comments coming in. Our first one comes from Moosey Log, which are the people at moosey.blogspot.com. It's a blog that follows Novell pretty closely, looks at a lot of the different things like various betas of SUSE Linux that come out off the OpenSUSE site, looking at Novell uh, Linux desktop demos. It's a good blog to check out, moosey.blogspot.com. Moosey is spelled M-O-O-S. Y.blogspot.com. Now, the question that they've asked us is to cover some LTSP and perhaps how ZenWorks can help manage some of that stuff. LTSP is Linux Terminal Server Project. A couple other terminal server uh, related things there. So this person's interested in thin client and would like to see us cover some of that. We're going to do some research to find out who the right people are to talk to here at Novell and get that onto the list. And you can also add your feedback at any time if you'd like by going to novell.com forward slash open audio and clicking the feedback button or leaving us on our Skype line or leaving us at the 800 number or leaving us on the international dial number, uh, which are all listed at novell.com forward slash open audio. The second piece of feedback that we got, and we've, we've actually gotten this not from any specific individual, but from a few different people. There's been some IRC chats and things. Miguel de Acaz actually surfaced one of them to me. But the specific one that we just recently got was from Oscar Rubenstein. And Oscar, I apologize if I'm slaughtering your name. But Oscar actually asked us to look into getting an open format for this show because we first went online with MP3. And OGG Vorbis is what you suggest as an open format. We agree. We need to get to the open format there because not everybody has access necessarily to legal MP3 codecs. Yes, we will introduce a second feed that has an open audio format. More appropriate for the name Novell Open Audio. Touche, Oscar. Touche. We also want to get your input about other people we should bring in. So we remind you, go to novell.com forward slash open audio and take a look at our upcoming list of people we're going to be interviewing. In the near future, you're going to hear from people like Sonia Krauss-Harder, the developer evangelist for the OpenSUSE project, Jeremy Allison from the Samba project, Bill Prey and Ken Muir from GroupWise, and Jeff Jaffe, Novell's CTO. So get your comments into us. We're looking forward to having some of your tough questions hit some of the people we're going to talk to. For our first interview today, you have Martin Buckley, the evil Zen scientist, and our ZenWorks product line will be covered. We go now to senior... Enterprise Management Correspondent, Aaron Quill. Hello, this is Aaron Quill. I'm here today with Martin Buckley. Martin, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. Hi, Aaron. And Martin, who are you? I'm the evil Zen scientist. <laughs> the evil Zen scientist? Yeah, but you may know me as the uh, the Zen guy. 
the person who does brain share presentations. But my uh, real job title is the Director of Product Management for the Identity Products Business Team. And what exactly does that mean? It means that I'm the guy who goes to talk to customers, goes to brain share, goes to trade shows, and really talks about what Novelli is doing with identity-based products, whether it's Identity Manager or, in this case today, we're talking about Zenworks. Cool. And so let's go ahead and just get into it. Uh, I brought you in today to talk to you about Zenworks 7. And really, what's new with Zenworks 7? What's in it? What's the big differences I'm going to see if I'm a today a 6.5 or earlier customer? Yeah, good question. So we've been um, doing a lot of work with Zenworks 7 for the past few months. It's a generally available product right now, and we're seeing some great success. But really, I wanted to give everybody here a chance to learn very quickly what's new and what's compelling inside Zenworks 7 Suite. So the, uh, the first thing I'd like to spend some time talking about is the new platforms we're now supporting inside Zenworks 7. So, Aaron, any guesses what they are? Uh, Linux? Yeah. So what we've done inside Zenworks uh, 7 is two aspects of managing and running on top of Linux. The first one is for the traditional Zenworks desktop management customers. You can now use Zenworks desktop management to manage your Windows desktop infrastructure, and you can run the back-end services not just on NetWare or Windows servers, but on SLES, SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 9, or Open Enterprise Server, which obviously gives our customers some uh, some real advantages in giving them the choice of where they want to run things. And we've, we've seen some great success stories in the last few months. And, and I assume that also means that I can mix and match. It, this is very easy for me to take a, an older machine that I've got to go ahead and provision Linux on it and have it set up to handle one of the specific aspects of Zen, right? Exactly right. So what, what, one of the things we do see our customers doing right now is replacing NT4 servers. And we're seeing great success in replacing NT4 servers with SLES 9 or Open Enterprise Server. Cost-effective, very hardware-efficient, but also now you can run your Zenworks desktop management on there. It's a win-win situation for our customers. Oh, that's cool. One of the other things we've seen successes with is um, obviously branch offices, where customers run one or two servers out there, maybe an NT box for something like you know, an application that requires Windows, and then maybe a NetWare box for file, print, Zenworks, authentication, and everything else. We're seeing in many of those cases, customers are consolidating to a single Linux server, saving hardware costs, maintenance costs, and keeping just generally the, the administration of all of the, uh, the network and your hardware and your NetWare servers, everything really down to a minimum. Well, actually, the thing that really sounds cool about that, though, is now it doesn't matter what's in the branch, right? So if I go out and I'm talking to a customer and they happen to only have a single Windows server or only a NetWare or only a Linux box, it doesn't matter to me. They can still get all the benefits of Zen. Exactly. So you can you can have this branch infrastructure running Zenworks, Windows, NetWare, and now obviously Linux or Open Enterprise Server with all of the Zenworks functionality, software distribution, policy management, operating system deployment via our imaging, even things like inventory and personality migration can all be hosted on these Linux servers. It's a good solution. Will the end users, the people that are actually you know, using these desktops that are being managed, even know that it's running on Linux, or will it appear the same to them and totally in the background? should appear just the same as before, which, which is a good thing. So no new training for those guys or anything? No new tricks. Excellent. Don't have to tell them a thing. I like it that way. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Um, the other thing about managing Linux in Zenworks 7 is Zenworks 7 Linux management. As the name says, this is managing Linux. We took this technology from Zimian, which Novell acquired about two years ago now, and we took their Red Carpet Enterprise product, rebranded it Zenworks Linux Management, had this very successfully in the marketplace for a while, and now we're on version 7. 
And Zenworks 7 Linux management really changes the game for managing Linux servers and desktops. When you say managed Linux, what are you really talking about? Like installing apps on it, locking down the workstation? What all is entailed in that? So imagine what you already know about Zenworks, you know, managing a Windows desktop or a Windows server or a NetWare server. It's the same for Linux now with Zenworks Linux management. You can bring brand new machines, whether workstations, desktops, laptops, and naturally servers and blades, bring them into your environment, have Zenworks deliver the operating system down to that machine, then place applications, patches, updates, anything you need onto that machine. It does this in a very, very scalable and controlled manner. The cool thing about this, it's driven by policy. The whole thing about Zenworks being driven by policy you define something once and it goes out to 10, 1,000, 100,000 machines. It's true in Zenworks Linux management. Cool. What else is new in Zen 7? We've done some new things about Zenworks asset management to actually include Zenworks asset inventory inside Zenworks 7. And one of the other podcasts is talking about how Zenworks asset management and Zenworks asset inventory is changing the game for our customers. Okay. Any other things that are new in Zenworks 7? Yeah. One key thing that's very keen, uh, keenly watched by many CIOs is the time of the time to value for many of our products and how long they can use them in that their in their environment. One of the changes we made with Zenworks 7 is that it's the first Zenworks product that is now on the new Novell support lifecycle. What is what does that mean? So put it simply, Zenworks 7 was released at the end of 2005. It means that mainstream support is available for three years, and there's another two years of extended support beyond that via Novell support services. Uh, mainstream and extended, what, what's the difference? So what this means is that during the first three years, defects will be resolved, you know, problems with the code, and things will be changed you know, to keep the product up to date and to keep you know, problems you know, fixed. After that, if you're working with Novell support services, we can actually help you resolve other problems as you go forward as well. So you've got five years of having this product up to date, fresh, and kept in a way that's actually working in your environment. So what that means is you purchased the product today in 2006, you've got all the way through until 2010 of a mainstream live supported product that's giving you value and managing your systems. Oh, that's great. So I can, I can really see what my costs are going to be over X amount of years yeah, to keep so, the product up to date. So, you know, you, when we look at things like the return on investment calculations and the total cost of ownership calculations for any product like Zenworks, we look at how long the product is going to have a useful life inside an organization. And this gives you a very, very clear indication that Novell is behind Zenworks, investing in Zenworks. And also, you've got four years of, well, five years of mainstream support behind this product so you can get the, get the most out of it. That's great. Thanks a lot, Martin. And in the future, I look forward to recording a session on Zen patch management and if we could also talk about Zen asset management. Now, many of you have been following Novell for a long time, have been working with Novell software for a long time, are well familiar with the annual phenomenon in Salt Lake City called BrainShare. Novell BrainShare is a huge, huge, huge technical event. Lots of breakout sessions, huge keynotes, much food, various other things going on at the show. And to give you an idea of what's going on this year at BrainShare, what you can expect if you're coming out to Salt Lake City, we've got Mike Morgan and Brandon Bailey, the guys who are the brains behind BrainShare. These guys are the ones who plan out the entire BrainShare event from the Sunday afternoon that you arrive to the Friday afternoon that with your brain completely full, you fly home again. Everything from the breakout sessions to the rock and roll band that we have every year, 
These are the things that these guys make happen. So we brought them into the studio for a quick interview, and here it is. All right, we're sitting in the studio today, and we've got Mike Morgan and Brandon Bailey. These guys are pretty much the masters of Brainshare. These guys do a lot of the work to make the show happen. And with the event coming up, we thought we'd get a little bit of information for the audience here on what's going to be happening at Brainshare this year. So, Mike, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us in here. And maybe to start with, you could give us a little bit of an overview of what Brainshare is and what it's all about. Well, for those of you who don't know about BrainShare, we have been running this conference now for well over 20 years. This is a technical conference that we plan and execute every year in March in Salt Lake City to help our customers, potential customers, anyone who wants to know about Novell, Novell Technologies, open source, Linux, anything. They can come here and get the whole, the whole gamut of information. Awesome. So what's the typical composition of the uh, BrainShare attendee? Well, we have a wide variety of people that come all the way from the executive management. Um, we have a number of people that are the network administrators that come for hands-on training. Uh, these are the people that want to know how to take Novell solutions in our products and make them run better. They want to get more money out of their product by making them more efficient. So we have a wide variety all the way from executive level all the way to the network administrator. Okay, but for the audience probably listening in on our podcast here, you know, this is this is the technical audience we're talking about here. And when we talk about the technical audience, you know, they're looking at the show. Uh, if they haven't been to the show before, uh, they might be asking, you know, what's the balance of technical versus the marketing thing? Because they're there for the tech, right? Maybe you can give us a little bit of an idea. How do what's Novell's philosophy for BrainShare on how to balance technical versus marketing? Well, hopefully this resonates, and I'll let Brandon talk a little bit about it since he's over the content and creating those sessions. But hopefully those who have been to BrainShare before recognize this as a technical conference. Everything we do in terms of the breakout sessions focuses on technical information. It's not, we try and keep the marketing speak out. We constantly remind our speakers that our attendees aren't coming to hear marketing speak. They can get that at other conferences, right? We want to provide them with the technical information that they come from. We start uh, building this conference actually about eight to nine months before it actually runs. We started in July this year building the content and working that. We open up a call for papers in October where everybody, internal and external, can submit ideas for what they want to present or what they want to see at the conference, what kind of training they want, what they're interested in. We collect all of those sessions over about a month, month and a half period. And then we compile, review all of those, and then put it out to vote. And we'll talk more about that in a little while. But we put this out to vote so that the attendees can go and see and vote on the sessions they want to see. And then we, we take the basis from that and we build the content. The vast majority of our sessions are technically focused. These, these are the how-tos, the tips and tricks. This is, you know, if I come to BrainShare, I want to be able to walk away and show my boss look how much better I can make our operation run. Okay, so that sounds like it's a little different from uh, perhaps how past years have been done. That's that's a brand new thing, this whole voting process as far as that goes. Yeah, this is actually very exciting. We decided to try something new this year by turning the vote over to the attendees and to previous attendees, those who were looking at coming to the conference. They're now able, they were now able to 
go out, review the potential sessions, and decide what they would go to and what they would not. We took every person's vote and, and counted and calculated that into our decision as to what we would present at the event. It was a very exciting thing. We actually had over 11,000 votes in the system by the end, so it was an, we had an absolutely excellent turnout. So, so this has been a real community effort. We have actually turned over the selection of the content to the community. And I don't think that that happens in any other conference. It's, like Brandon said, it's really exciting. Yeah, that's that's right. pretty cool. So th- another thing um, that I've heard about at BrainShare is that you guys actually have not just sit down and listen, but you actually have active participation in tech. What kind of things go on at BrainShare that get people uh, doing that kind of thing? Well, we've got a couple of things. Uh, the one thing that we're really excited about this year is our training services department here at Novell. They are famous for some incredibly technical sessions. They call them advanced technical training. And you may have seen them or participated in them in their ATT live events. Well, for the first time, they are going to actually run those sessions at BrainShare. You don't have to pay extra for these. They're included in the price. And that's really exciting. So these are actual hands-on sessions that are taught by some incredibly smart people. So I think that's a really great thing. The other thing we have is a very, very large technical lab. You can come in and learn anything about Novell products and actually pop up the hood and and speak with an engineer or developer here at Novell who is working on that product. So one of the pieces of feedback that I get a lot is, you know what, I went to BrainShare and I actually spoke to the engineer in charge of this product. I talked to him about some of my problems, suggested some ideas, and lo and behold, they showed up in the next rev. Now, that, I can't promise that always happens, right? But at BrainShare, the likelihood of you running into the actual engineers and developers of our products is very high. Okay, cool. So, And also, that, w- that whole technology area there, I'm presuming that it's not just Novell technology as well, but uh, do you have Novell partners and other companies that are tech companies involved in the show as well? Well, there are there's two halls, two main halls. The one hall is chock full of all Novell technologies. Uh, as I mentioned before, we've got places where you can go and talk to the engineers. And last year, we introduced a place called the Installation and Migration Depot. And this is a place where you can actually sit down, work with our engineers, and do an install or a migration to Novell Linux Desktop, Open Enterprise Server, a lot of our products. It's really cool and was well received last year. So we're bringing that back for 2006. Our partners, we have those in our partner hall. So the Sponsor Solutions Hall, it's open Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And it is just jam-packed full of all of our partners showing that their products, solutions, ideas, technologies that run with ours. Okay. BrainShare is legendary for about the third day of the show or so people's brains are starting to melt down because there is just so much going on. There's so much tech happening in the show. People need to unlax and rewind, if you will. What kind of things do you have going on as far as after-show parties and things like that? Do you have good entertainment coming this year? Well, we do have good entertainment coming this year. We have secured Counting Crows as our musical group to entertain us. That concert will be Wednesday night, March 22nd. Very excited about having Counting Crows come. This is this is a little bit different, a little bit of a departure from what we've normally done at BrainShare. We've had bands like Earth, Wind & Fire. We had Sammy Hagar. We had Train. But this is a more modern band, and so we're excited to have Counting Crows come. 
that's going to be Wednesday night, as I mentioned. We also have a great welcome reception. You know, when you think of welcome receptions, you sort of think of maybe a little mix and mingle. Well, ours are full-blown parties. So if you've been to the welcome reception before, you know it's just not a, a sip of ice water or something. You actually get a good party. Monday night is our open night. Um, a lot of our attendee feedback was, look, as you said, you just get so much at brain share that you need a little bit of downtime. Or you just want to go and mix and mingle with your own groups or parties or the partners want to host something. So we opened up Monday for an open night. You, there's a lot of things going on still, but nothing official from the conference. Tuesday night is our sponsor night. That's the night where people come. They can they can mix and mingle with our sponsors. They always do a great job. They have a lot of information, prizes, party. It's a big party and a lot of food and drink. And that's like all the vendors trying to outdo each other. Right? Oh, absolutely. They go crazy, and it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Thursday night, and, you know, we can talk a little bit more about this if you like, is meet the experts. I think, you know, now you go to any conference and they have a meet the expert or whatever. It's a similar type, but I think Novell actually pioneered this way back when. This is our most popular event where we bring up all the engineers, we bring up the product managers, everyone, and you can sit there and just have really in-depth technical discussions with these guys, and it's really popular. Great, great. So I guess uh, last questions for you guys are, uh, how's registration going at this point? It's going great. We have decided to focus all of our efforts on this one show in 2006. Historically, we've done brain share conferences around the world. But as we looked at our registration database, you know what? We had a lot of people coming from outside the U.S. coming to Salt Lake. So it really made a lot of sense to focus everything on Salt Lake City. And people are responding to that. We've got a lot of good people coming. Big, big numbers, I'm hoping, this year. It's, of course, we're right in the middle of registration. But all, all signs look like it's going to be a great year. All right. Sounds like it's going to be a really good show. What are the things that people can do who are planning on attending the show, what kind of things can they do as sort of pre-prep for the show? Are there any online resources that they can get at, any other ways that they can prepare for the show? Yeah, one of the things that we introduced a few years back is our BrainShare Forum. This is a public open forum, and you can basically go there. It's at www.novell.com slash BrainShare. You can post questions, you participate in this forum, and me and my team monitor the forum constantly, as well as a lot of previous attendees, and you can pretty much get an answer almost instantaneously to your question. You can also go out to our website, the same place where you can find the forum, and you can see the catalog of sessions that is available today. That catalog will be live up through the event. I would advise maybe going through ahead of time. You can add it to it, add essentially a shopping cart of your interests. Maybe get that ahead of time before February 20th, so on that date you can go in and start scheduling your sessions. A lot of these very popular sessions fill up fast, so I recommend getting there on the 20th and, and start scheduling yourself into these sessions and going from there. You know, one last thing to think about when you come to BrainShare, and I hope you do, you know, bring some good walking shoes, a big appetite for learning, and also just a big appetite because I don't think any of you will go away hungry. Uh, we feed you full breakfasts, lunches, snacks, breaks, et cetera, et cetera. So it's quite a great event. Tech and food all together in one place. <laughs> There's no right, place guys. to get it. Well, thanks very much for coming in, giving us the quick overview of BrainShare, and it sounds like it's going to be another good show this year. So I'm looking forward to it, and I hope our audience is as well. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.
That gives you just a taste of what's going to be happening this year at BrainShare. And if you want to find out more, you can go to novell.com forward slash BrainShare and register or find out other things that are going on in the event. We hope to see you all out there. And come on up to us and tell us that you like Novell Open Audio if you're listening in as well. And our final interview in this edition is with Jason Williams and Troy Wilde, the two product managers working on Open Enterprise Server. Whether you come from a netware background or you've been working with Linux over the years, this one should be of interest. Okay, so we're in the studio right now with Troy Wilde and Jason Williams of Open Enterprise Server fame, and we're going to get a little bit of information out of these guys about what's going on with Open Enterprise Server, what the product is, what some of the things are. That are happening with it and where it's heading for the future. So uh, let's let's start this off, guys. First, with a just quick welcome. Thanks for coming in. Thank yes. you very much, Ted. If you guys would, why don't we start off with an overview of what's going on with Open Enterprise Server? What is the product itself? Sure. Thanks very much indeed. Um, Open Enterprise Server is basically a suite of highly available services that Novella's made available on both the traditional network kernel and, of course, Novella's uh, SUSE Linux Enterprise Server. Uh, where this differs really from SUSE Linux in particular is the fact these services have been designed specifically to allow customers to run a more enterprise-ready system um, throughout their organization. And what kind, of, what kind of services when we talk about these services here? Because we know that SUSE Linux Enterprise Server does have some enterprise capabilities. But what, are, what are the differences? What kind of services are specifically on Open Enterprise Server? So the difference is really is where we've taken a lot of our traditional highly scalable enterprise uh, services like uh, the Novell storage systems file system, uh, iPrint printing, Novell's e-directory, and a number of other those services, and taken them over so they run natively on SUSE Linux. The great thing here is that there are two distinct benefits. The first benefit is for current network customers. Current network customers can take their existing Novell infrastructure, where they're running all of these services, and they can introduce SUSE Linux Enterprise Server and actually then migrate these services running on top of SUSE Linux Enterprise Server and run them exactly as they could on NetWare today. Okay, so um, I know that operating systems like Windows and Linux, they already have the ability to do file print and various other types of services that you're talking about. What makes, what makes these services any different from uh, what you might get on operating systems, just a Linux operating system or a Windows operating system? It really comes down to two things. It's number one, the scalability of the service from the point of view of performance. If you think about it, Novell really invented the whole concept of the file system, invented the whole concept of printing. It didn't really exist uh, before Novell released it. So when you take a look at the services, as good as they are in a SUSE Linux Enterprise Server, when you scale this up to 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, 250,000 users with 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 servers, there are two, two scale and performance issues. The first performance issue is really if you've got thousands of clients logging into a server accessing hundreds of thousands or millions of files on volumes that can be terabytes in size, the Vel Storage Services is absolutely ready to scale to that kind of performance and deliver those files you know, for thousands of thousands of clients. If you're talking about scale, there's scale from that perspective, the number of clients connecting, but also scale from the perspective of management. 
Okay, so when you say when you say Novell invented the file system, though, uh, you're you're talking yeah. about the network file system in that case. That's absolutely right. Okay. You're talking about the networked file system, the ability to actually access a shared file system from many hundreds or thousands of computers distributed around a company or around the world. Novell really invented that concept and uh, still owns that space today in a great many ways. Okay, and and I've heard people actually say, you know, that. Well, why do you need this kind of thing? There's Samba out there, or there's uh, you know this NFS or any kind of thing like that. And so this is distinctly different, just in the number of connections that can hit it. It's distinctly different in in a few ways. Absolutely, the number of connections that can hit it. The Vel's core protocol uh, is in fact still the most scalable and highly performing protocol out there in the field today. That isn't to say that those other protocols are bad. The network file system, NFS, Samba, FTP, they all play an extremely important role and are intrinsic to many companies' um, IT infrastructures, fully supported by Novell. I mean, the Novell Storage Services file system can fully support any and all of those protocols attaching in. So we fully understand how important these protocols are to our customers and will continue to support them. When you're talking about Particularly current Novell customers, however, uh, they're very much used to the concept of logging in to our servers and accessing it using the Novell client. And this is where the NCP protocol or Novell Core protocol actually comes in, allows them to access those files in a, in a much more scalable fashion. It's not that SUSE Linux Enterprise Server is bad or these protocols are bad. They're in the open source community and they're used by a lot of our customers today. Realistically, what Novell is doing is providing A, support for our current customers with NCP, but also then providing this open source support for all these protocols in use by Novell and non-Novell customers in Open Enterprise Server as well as on top of NetWare. Okay, so when would, when would I actually make the choice or the difference between Open Enterprise Server versus just using SUSE Linux Enterprise Server? Where's the breaking point that makes me want to jump from one to the other, or I guess from moving up from SUSE Linux Enterprise Server to OES? So when you're taking a look at OES versus SUSE Linux Enterprise Server, really the break point is taking a look at your, your business that you're doing. If you're a small business or something like that, then SUSE Linux Enterprise Server may really fit the bill extremely well. You may only be using um, standard protocols like Samba or NFS or FTP and have no need uh, for any of the, the more scalable protocols from Novell. However, if you're a current Novell customer, you're currently running NetWare, and you're looking to introduce SUSE Linux into your environment in a controlled fashion, at that point, yeah, Open Enterprise Server is definitely the choice to make. That means you can start migrating your services from in your current NetWare environment onto SUSE Linux Enterprise Server. You can maintain your current desktop environment. Your end user community never really knows that anything changed. They're still able to log in the same way, run login scripts the same way, access their files in the same way, and not only that, the administrators have access to the full range of administration tools they've always, they're used to on NetWare. They can run iManager. They can manage the file systems, manage the printing with iPrint, and all the things with eDirectory that they're used to doing on NetWare. But now what they have is the advantage of having introduced SUSE Linux Enterprise Server into their environment. They can run SUSE Linux, get used to it, and then take a look at what else inside their infrastructure that SUSE Linux would really be good for. This includes application servers, you know, leveraging the industry uh, relationships that we have with people like Oracle and Siebel. Take advantage of uh, completely different architectures running on top of, say, IBM Power Equipment, AS400, or Itanium processors. So realistically, Novell's customers can get some significant benefits out of deploying OES. Additionally, customers that are running Linux today, 
can take a look at OES and say, you know, this may actually really work for my environment. I really need potentially a file system that's got a lot more scale than EXT3 or RISER. They can take a look at NSS. Then again, they can take a look at other file systems that are available, things like Lustre and Polyserve, other file systems they can roll out. Okay, so uh, when you say more scalable than, like, you said uh, Riser or was it EXT3? That's correct. Um, what is the difference on those? What, 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 kind of, what is the scaling difference? I mean, is there, like, a capacity to the entire thing? Is there a number of files? Or what, where, where do those scalability differences happen? The scalability differences happen when you get to many, many, many thousands of files in a file system. It is constantly surprising, I think, to many of our customers just how many hundreds of thousands of files are actually stored on a file system. So RISER and EXT are really good file systems and they serve some extremely good workload purposes. However, when you're talking about a shared file system approach, when you may have 500 or 600 or 1,000 users logging into a server and you've got maybe 7 or 10 or 50 million files sitting in that file system that you're having to get those files from that server to people's workstations and do it quickly, then absolutely NSS scales well beyond any of the default file systems in Linux today. But 50 million files, is, is that realistic? I mean, do, do you ha actually talk to customers that have 50 million files on their systems? We actually talk significant customers that have significantly more than 50 million files. I could name you probably 20 customers today that run volumes that are at least one terabyte in size that contain more than 250 million files on the volume. And we have a couple of customers out there that run four terabyte and six terabyte volumes with approaching a billion files lurking on that file system. And this NSS file system is the one that actually scales to that and handles that. NSS is the file system that can scale and handle that kind of performance to be able to index and return that, that many files to that many users without any degradation in performance. Okay. I think oh. it's important to remember, too, you know, Novell's bringing 20 years experience to the networking space, and what we see here, uh, security is a big thing. And you see with NSS and our uh, Novell core protocol, you can get very granular in the rights that you assign to those files, and that becomes very useful for our customers. And that's one reason why they like that file system so much. So I guess if you're, if you're dealing with one of these systems where you have millions of files and then you're probably dealing with pretty complex directory trees on the storage media it's at that point that the file system rights are going to be that you're speaking of here Troy that they're going to actually start paying off for you yeah paying off big time so um, I know that a lot of the people who are, are, are classic netware administrators and open enterprise server administrators now they're going to be uh, also probably having heard of virtualization, some of the things going on in SUSE Linux that are, uh, I guess, the SUSE Linux open source version just recently introduced XEN or Zen uh, technology on there. And that, that's a virtualization technology. At the same time, we've heard a little bit about uh, that there's some kind of futures for virtualization of netware servers and access to these storage systems that you're talking about. Can you untangle the picture that I just painted right there for you and make it, am I mixing my metaphors well enough? Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what's going on in the virtualization space, particularly with regard to open enterprise server, netware, and those kind of things? Sure. And when it comes to virtualization, absolutely. I mean, you've, you've hit upon the big thing in the open source community and, the, and one of the really big draws to SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10 that's going to be released later in 2006. The XEN technology is actually slightly different to a lot, or in fact almost all, of the virtualization technology that's out there right now. 
All other virtualization technology creates a full virtual machine. Effectively, this is a is what it says, a virtual machine. It has its own uh, input-output system, its own hardware layers, it has its own memory, and it has its own processing power. Where XCN or Zen differs from that, in it is an abstraction of your current hardware. It allows you to dynamically allocate resources uh, to the virtual, virtual layers rather than virtual machines. It's actually called a hypervisor. It's not a virtual machine technology. Uh, what it will do for you is that it, is, it in effect has far less of an overhead uh, on your hardware than uh, say a virtual pure virtual machine technology. Uh, typically the overhead we're looking at is around about 5%. So you have 95% of your machine's processing power available for your virtual machines that you happen to be running. That's going to be included, the uh, XEN or Zen 3, the full version will be included in SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10. Where this plays into uh, Novell's overall strategy for virtualization is initially SUSE Linux Enterprise Server 10 will allow you to run multiple SUSE Linux servers. So you may want to run a DNS and DHCP server or two or three of them. You may want to run an Apache farm on this uh, new hardware that you're getting from Intel and AMD. You may want to run an Oracle server as well. It allows you to take advantage of that much higher processing power that you're receiving uh, from your hardware manufacturers. From the perspective of NetWare, this is extremely exciting because now for NetWare, with the next release of Open Enterprise Server that is uh, currently underway, uh, you'll have a virtualized copy of NetWare that will allow you to run the NetWare that you know and love today, effectively all of your NetWare services and your NetWare environment, virtualized on top of SUSE Linux, allowing you to take advantage of all that new hardware that you're receiving and allow you to do better server consolidation and migrations. So in essence, when you run this virtualized NetWare on top of SUSE Linux, it will look, act, feel, and smell exactly like a NetWare server running on a dedicated machine. The difference comes in the actual method behind how Zen will then parcel up, if you like, the hardware that you're running on and hand those resources uh, to the virtual machine. Specifically, uh, Zen will allow you to go in and pick how many CPUs that you may have in your machine to devote to a particular virtual instance, if you like, of NetWare. So you may have four CPUs, and you may say, no, I will only devote two to this NetWare machine, and two I can de devote to a SUSE Linux machine. Where's that at with dynamic load balancing and things like when you need to add another CPU because you're getting a high load on that NetWare box at the time or that NetWare virtual machine at the time. What's that? Is, is that in the cards for uh, XEN as well? Absolutely, that's in the cards for XEN. In fact, uh, already uh, XEN has the ability to do virtual processors. So you can define that you may have two physical processors, but you can define that as four virtual processors. So as you add more CPU resources into your virtual technology by adding another two CPUs, they can be Already, your machine that you've defined is seeing four CPUs. So when you add the two new physical CPUs, it can immediately take advantage of them. And what's it do in the meantime, though, while waiting for those two CPUs to come along? Is it just uh, struggling there, or is it faking it, or how, how, does, how does that affect your virtual machines? It doesn't affect the virtual machine at all. The beauty of Zen is the fact that it will simply have informed your virtual machine that four CPUs are available. But of course, uh, the way that SMP works is it allows the instructions to be executed in just two physical CPUs. To, to the virtual machine, it will look as if the four CPUs are at a higher load than they really are. 
And when you add new hardware, effectively by going into Zen and saying, now add these two new CPUs in, suddenly it has additional processing power. It's almost as if the load has been decreased. The same goes for memory. You can dynamically add memory to a virtual machine. So if you happen to be running out of RAM, you can add more memory to a virtual machine and just scale it up that way. See, that one I, that one I get because I know you can probably fake it with disk space and it's just slower performance. But the CPU part, that's, that's pretty darn cool. It, it is, and that's why, the, that's why the whole Zen technology and the hypervisor side has been extremely exciting. And that's why the industry as a whole is really getting behind uh, the Zen hypervisor and is really becoming extremely excited about what that will mean. And as I say, for the, for the OES side of the house, for us it's exciting as well. It gives us the ability to provide additional scalability and additional options for our customers running OES into the future. And the side benefit here will be when the new hardware uh, from Intel and AMD comes out, which includes the virtual extensions. This is the uh, Vanderpool and Pacifica technologies from Intel and AMD to allow virtual acceleration, hardware acceleration of the virtual machines, and ultimately offer the promise of running more than just Linux or NetWare in here, but running also unmodified versions of Windows and other operating systems uh, in Zen as well. That's very intriguing stuff. So now you'll be able to get bigger hardware but have uh, more services hosted off of it. I'm assuming there's also the advantages of failover and things like that that you get from virtual machines with quick recovery times. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, in fact, the entire virtualization strategy from Novell is not just about open enterprise server. I mean, clearly from uh, Troy's perspective and my perspective, this is exciting for us. But Novell's entire virtualization strategy uh, has a much more overarching feel to it, including physical to virtual migrations, virtual to virtual migrations, and a number of other things. I mean, we're talking futures, and it's, it's out there a ways. And this is the way the industry is going. This is no secret. Uh, the industry has been talking about this for the, you know, the last nine to ten months and the surfaced a number of these uh, concepts and uh, so as the next couple of years play out it should be really interesting where we end up and I think I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down as well in that this is an OES interview and I've dove deep into the Zen stuff but it just sounds so exciting let me get let me get to another part of the interview uh, that I, I want to do in the 64-bit world there's uh, been a long kind of threads going on in support groups and things like that. What's going on as far as 64-bit support at Novell? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So and right now, Open Enterprise Server um, can run quite happily on 64-bit hardware. And this is the Intel EM64T and Pentium D processors and the AMD64 processors as well. So this is, in effect, what they ref colloquially referred to as the x86-64 instruction sets. So we can happily run on those uh, processors right now in 32-bit mode. Clearly, SUSE Linux Enterprise Server uh, can actually natively leverage the 64-bit extensions for the additional memory address space. So Novell has on a plan uh, over the next, next year or so uh, is to actually roll out a version of OES that actually takes advantage of that 64-bit address space. In essence, what it will do is it will allow you to run the OES services that we talked about a bit earlier, the NSS file system and e-directory and other things, and they will take full advantage of that entire 64-bit address space available to those new processors and chipsets. This means as you get better performance and scalability, as you add more files and more users, you get higher bandwidth from new gigabit Ethernet cards and all that good stuff with the new, hard, new uh, disk arrays available. Uh, it also means is you can load more users into eDirectory, 
more logins to the server and serve yet more files even quicker to your users while taking advantage of that additional address space. This means additional disk caching and a, a whole host of other extensions. So the huge advantage here is much more addressable memory. Absolutely. And in fact, we, we've even seen in tests already, whereas you actually take a look at SUSE, and this is, this is an easy example of how this really works, is if you take a look at SUSE Linux Enterprise Server and you do a test of something like Apache running SSL, if you run the, an SSL test on 32-bit Apache and an SSL test on 64-bit Apache, you'll actually find that the SSL transactions are much quicker on the 64-bit the hardware than 32-bit hardware. And simply put, you not only get the, the additional addressable memory, but now things like calculations on security are done quicker because you're able to do it on a 64-bit address as opposed to a 32-bit address. Got it. Yeah. So there are a lot more advantages than just simply having the addressable memory. Okay, so another tough question for you. You know, out of, out of Redmond, this herd of cows is coming. We've, we've all heard about it. Cows as far as the eye can see, and I think that's why they called it Vista finally. Vista's coming around, 64-bit as well as 32-bit. Is Novell going to be ready for a 64-bit client operating system starting to show up in enterprises? So our story is, pre is pretty simple. And again, from, from OES product management, yeah, we can speak with authority on this one. We will be supporting Windows Vista. Yeah, we understand that our customers, are, uh, two things are happening. Number one is they will be running Windows Vista, uh, either by choice or by force. We realize that will happen. So we have to support Windows Vista. So we're going to. So if you take a look at the services available in OES, things like the Novell Client, Novell Client 32 as it's been called in the past, but the Novell Client for Windows, we already have a plan to support Windows Vista for both 32 and 64-bit platforms. Same thing goes for things like iPrint and iFolder and all of the rest of the services running on Open Enterprise Server. And we know the rest of the company is well aware of this uh, and is making plans to move forward. But I can definitively state, yeah, that there will be a Novell client for Windows Vista 32 and 64. iPrint and everything else will be available. So from your side of the business here at Novell, you're saying this is, this is already on the docket and you guys have good plans for having support. This is on the docket. We have plans to support. And in fact, I, I can even say with, with certainty that in fact we're going up to Microsoft in a few weeks here and we'll be visiting them. We'll actually be at Microsoft. And that's the one thing a lot of people don't realize. Tell Uncle Steve I say hi if you would. I'll, I'll do my level best. Hopefully he won't throw a chair at me. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be going up there to do actually do physical testing in Microsoft's laboratories with a number of the components that we have at our disposal. So this isn't something that we, we have, we've suddenly gone, wow, we better do something about it. We have clear plans to actually support this. And obviously, when you take a look at the 64-bit side for Linux, We'll be supporting Linux on 64-bit computing. Already, things like iFolder and iPrint quite happily run on SUSE Linux Pro and NLD uh, for 64-bit, and we'll clearly be supporting future versions of NLD and the Linux desktop for 64-bit as well. Great. Excellent. So I guess that pretty much gets us through quite a few things here, and we're uh, kind of running out of time here. Are there any last things you want to tell us about what's coming up with Open Enterprise Server, what's going to be happening in the future, or uh, things we can look at, and maybe give us a little bit of an insight as to what you guys might be showing at Brainshare? So a couple of things you can look at right now, and I realize there's going to be people out there that don't run NetWare, but if you are currently a NetWare uh, house, you're running NetWare, and you, and you are thinking, well, how do I make the transition? Actually take a look at novell.com. Go to the OES product page, Open Enterprise Server. I think it's novell.com slash products slash Open Enterprise Server. And you'll find that there are 20 hours worth of free training to bridge your gap, bridge the skills gap between Netware and Linux. 
So go take a look at that. You can download it, run it from your local machine. Uh, also, we've had the OES Insider Newsletters. If you're not used to it, visit novell.com again. Go to the Open Enterprise Server product page. Take a look at the OES Insider Newsletters. Uh, we ran those throughout the year last year, and we'll be restarting it and running it again over the next year. Uh, what are we showing at BrainShare? Well, that's a good question. Clearly, Open Enterprise Server will be there. Uh, we intend showing off a lot of the virtualization stuff. Uh, so that will be there. So if you haven't had a chance, uh, go take a look at novell.com slash brainshare, uh, sign up today, and uh, you know, get in on the ground floor of what's coming for OES over the next year to 18 months. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. I hope we can get you back in here to talk to us more about this as we get uh, questions and feedback from the community out there. Troy, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's our show. Thanks very much for tuning in this time. Next time around, you're going to hear from the developer evangelist for the OpenSUSE project. That's Sonia Krauss-Harder. And you'll also hear from Bill Prey, the product manager for GroupWise, along with director of development for GroupWise, Ken Muir. Tune in to our next show. Also, watch out for a mini-show coming up in which we will announce the winner of the iPod Nano from our first show survey, as well as we'll review some of the results from our first show. That'll be a short show that we put in the midstream somewhere. Remember, you can always interact with us through the website, novell.com forward slash open audio. You can send us email at openaudio at novell.com. You can also hit our Skype account if you want to leave us a voicemail. Our Skype ID is Novell Open Audio. Or you can use POTS, plain old telephone service. And that's 1-800-218-1400. Plus 1-801-861-1313 is our number for international dialers. And all of these contact methods, of course, are available at the website. Once again, novell.com forward slash open audio. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on our next show.